Um, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Matt. Uh, I used to be a regular at Bagara Prez when I lived up here a few years ago. I'm now down in Brisbane doing theological study. Uh, it's lovely to be up here with you all this weekend. It's lovely to be here on Easter Sunday morning, this beautiful part of the world. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying your Easter weekend and the Easter uh, school holidays. Uh, now, one of my favorite things to do when I'm on holiday is to dig into a good book. Uh, sit on the couch, in the armchair, find a shady spot outside, and just let myself get pulled into a good story. There's something special about being drawn into a great story. But I'll tell you, if there's one thing that will ruin a good book for me is if it has a bad ending. I was reading this novel recently. It was kind of a historical, political thriller set in the Roman Empire. It was a really exciting uh, story full of intrigue and secrets and plot twists. It really got me in. And there was this, this romance subplot as well with the, the main character and who's he going to end up with. There was a few different love interests. Uh, and the author kept the suspense going right up until the very last scene. And it was the wrong person. Well, I thought it was anyway. Uh, it wasn't the love interest that I was cheering for. and just didn't make sense with the characters or fit. But it, it, just, it spoiled the ending for me. It was really disappointing. Uh, I was enjoying this book right up until the last page. Uh, and then the ending just kind of ruined it. When you hear a story, if the ending falls flat, it, it kind of just spoils the whole thing, doesn't it? Because uh, we all want a good ending. Uh, and a good ending might mean different things to different people. Uh, some of us want a really happy ending. We want the good guys to win, the bad guys to lose. Thanks. <laughs> the, the mystery to get solved. Everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, that's what a satisfying ending looks like. Uh, but for some of us, maybe that's a little bit too simple. We like uh, maybe a little bit too unrealistic. We like endings a bit more complicated, where not every question gets answered, uh, where not everything works out perfectly. We like a, a bittersweet ending. It's relatable and poignant, even tragic, because, uh, well, life's just not that simple, and neither are the best stories. I suspect most of us, most of us like a little bit of both, but maybe prefer sort of one more than the other. Uh, so I just want to take a quick poll uh, show, raise your hands. Who are our happy ending people? Who likes a happy ending into this story? All right, who likes the bittersweet endings? Yeah, we've got a bit of a mix of both. Uh, I, I think it makes sense that we, we, uh, we like both of these kinds of stories because uh, there's something deep inside us that wants a happy ending, uh, wants resolution and peace and happily ever after. We want everything to be okay. Uh, but when we look at the world around us, we experience the complexity of our own lives, we see it's, it's, it's just not that quite that simple, is it? Uh, so the stories that really speak to us, they also use the language of tragedy, don't they? Not just happily ever after. And stories are compelling things, because, uh, not just because they're entertaining, but because they help us to understand the world. They help us make sense of our own lives. Uh, we relate to characters in stories. We tell each other stories about ourselves. We tell ourselves stories, don't we? About who we are, and what we're doing, and where we're going. We make sense of our lives through stories. Uh, but I want to ask you what might be a bit of an uncomfortable question. Does your story have a happy ending? As much as we might be able to appreciate a complex, tragic ending in a book or a movie, I don't think any of us wants that kind of ending for our own life. When it comes to my life, I want my story to have a happy ending. But I think each of us knows too well the pain of disappointment and failure in one way or another. 
The world is not a simple and easy place to live. So what kind of ending is your story heading for? I want you to keep that question in mind as we come to the Easter story. Uh, If you were with us on Friday afternoon, we were looking at the crucifixion of Jesus and we saw how his willing death shows the truth that he is the king. And then as we recognize his authority, we can receive his generosity and rest in his victory. Uh, Today we come to the next part of the story. uh, And in many ways, this is the climax, the amazing news of the empty tomb and the resurrection. And it's this astonishing and beautiful plot twist that Jesus didn't stay dead but was raised back to life that makes the Easter story have such a good and happy ending. Thanks, Phil. Uh, but the best part of that uh, is because, uh, because of this wonderful truth, each of us can find hope in Jesus for our own stories. The Easter story invites us to find hope in the resurrection of Jesus for a happy ending despite life's pain because he is the one who connects us to God. Uh, So today we're looking at the first half of John chapter 20, as we just heard read out. And the story starts here in a place of pain and confusion. Jesus' disciples have had a harrowing few days. Their leader, Jesus, was arrested Thursday night and then tried, tortured, executed, and buried by Friday evening. They've spent Saturday in grief and shock, Uh, unable to even see his burial place because of the religious restrictions of the Sabbath day. And so first thing Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene heads to Jesus' tomb to grieve. And just when she thought things couldn't get any worse, it appears someone has desecrated the tomb and stolen the body of her Lord. Grief turns to panic, and rather than stopping to investigate, she immediately runs back to tell Simon Simon Peter and the disciple Jesus loved, Uh, which is John's way of referring to himself, by the way. Um, Someone has taken Jesus' body away, and now we don't know where he is. She's caught up in the confusion and the fear, and she draws the obvious conclusion that, that Jesus' enemies weren't just content to kill him. They've stolen his body as well to deny his followers even the opportunity to grieve properly. So Peter and John, they run back to the tomb, and when they look inside, what they find is... Well, it's confusing. Mary was right that Jesus' body is clearly not there. Something's happened. But the strips of linen for the body and the piece of cloth used to bind the head, they're still there. Would someone stealing a body have taken the trouble to remove these bits of cloth and and put them back where the body had been lying? It doesn't really add up. So the two disciples were confused. They leave the empty tomb And John tells us, with the benefit of hindsight, that at that stage, they didn't understand what was happening. This is the start of Easter Sunday. Mary, already weighed down with grief, makes what appears to be a horrific discovery. It's even worse than she feared, and she's overcome with pain and sorrow. The disciples can't figure out what's happening. The pieces, they just don't fit or make any kind of sense. They're left in confusion, unsure what to think or what to do. Now, the story's about to shift. Uh, But before we come to that, I want to pause for just a moment. What Mary's experiencing, what Peter and John are experiencing, I think this is a familiar place for many of us. Grief, panic, pain. 
confusion and uncertainty. These things touch all of us in different ways and at different times. The world we live in is a confusing and painful place. The Bible doesn't ignore that or gloss over it. If you've been through tragedy, if you've found yourself unsure where to turn or what to think, the Easter story is for you. You might be struggling through the middle of something right now that the people around you can't see or understand. The Easter story is for you too. It's a story for all of us living in a broken world where the question of pain is not if, but when. And it's a story that offers real hope. It offers hope because Jesus' resurrection is what connects us to God. So as we return to the story, Mary's standing outside the tomb and she's crying. She stoops to look in and she sees two angels sitting on the stone slab where Jesus' body had been. They ask her why she's crying, and for us as the audience, it's obvious why she's crying. Her friend and teacher has been brutally killed, betrayed, and on top of that, his body seems to have been stolen. She's in deep pain. So she tells the angels what she told Peter and John, that someone's taken away the body of her Lord. Now, that might seem like a bit of a strange reaction in a way. She's just seen two angels appear out of nowhere, sitting inside Jesus' empty tomb. But when we're in pain, it's hard to see beyond our own experience. What's immediately in front of us becomes all-consuming. We don't see things clearly. Uh, if, If you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. The world narrows down to this one thing, and it becomes almost impossible to look beyond it. So when Mary turns around and she sees Jesus standing there, raised to life again, she doesn't realize what's happening straight away. He asks her the same question as the angels, and he also asks her who she's looking for. Now, the irony, of course, is that it's him that she's looking for, but she's expecting a dead body, not a living, breathing man. Uh, And so when she asks him to tell her where the body might be, he responds with gentle affection to wake her up to the beautiful reality of what has happened. He calls her by name. Now, I think this is a moment that Mary would have played over and over again in her mind for the rest of her life. And I imagine she would have told this story to anyone who would listen. In her moment of deepest grief and desperation, suddenly Jesus is right there in front of her. And her darkest moment is full of light. From what Jesus says next, it seems clear that Mary's response is to run to Jesus and hold on to him. Uh, She's looking for tangible comfort. Uh, First, she was trying to find his body, and now in this moment of joy, she's holding on to Jesus in person. And that makes sense. Uh, I think that's something we all do. We look for comfort and security in the people and the things around us, uh, the things that we can see and touch and hang on to, our family and our friends, our jobs, our hobbies, money and entertainment. And they're all good things, but they're not designed to hold the weight of our lives and our hopes. Sooner or later, they let us down one way or another. And so Jesus says to Mary in verse 17, he says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary goes... And she tells this to the disciples and says, 
I have seen the Lord. Tangible comfort is one thing, uh, but what Jesus has to offer is much better. He offers connection to God as Father. Welcome into God's family as Jesus' brother. And in returning to his Father, he is preparing to send his Holy Spirit to live in his people. This is what Jesus told his disciples about a few days before on the night that he was arrested. Back in John chapter 16, he was preparing them uh, for what was to come. And he said, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus' plan for his resurrection isn't simply to continue as he has been doing, teaching and healing the people who come to him in and around Jerusalem and Galilee. He's returning to his Father in heaven so that as he sends his Holy Spirit, the advocate, into the world, he can welcome people from every corner of the earth into his family. So that starting with Mary, as she takes this good news to Peter and John and the other disciples, and going out from them down the generations to the ends of the earth, the offer of forgiveness and life in Jesus and welcome into God's family can be heard and taken up by anyone, anywhere. With his Good Friday death on the cross, Jesus pays the penalty for us rejecting God and makes forgiveness and life possible. And with his resurrection on Easter Sunday, he throws open the doors and makes that opera available to everyone. Eternal life with God as a dearly loved child in his family. This is the hope that the Easter story holds out. This is the happy ending that's on offer. And this is what John wants for us, his audience, to know for ourselves. See, at the end of chapter 20, John tells us his purpose for writing this book. Uh, He says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus is offering you eternal life and welcome into God's family. So when life is confusing and painful, I want you to see your story in relation to Jesus' story. When life feels unfair, I want you to remember that Jesus offers better hope than tangible comfort. He offers us connection to God. So if you're someone who trusts in Jesus, then because of his resurrection, your story has a happy ending, guaranteed. So keep putting your hope in him, especially in the hard times. And if you're someone who's open to thinking about Jesus, investigating, considering, then I want to invite you to keep listening to him. Come and see who he is as he's revealed in the pages of the Bible and see how he offers real hope in a painful and confusing world. The Easter story is a story with a happy ending. Uh, But more than that, it says that the story of the world is one with a happy ending. Not because pain isn't real or life isn't messy, but because Jesus died and was raised to life. It's not a naive happy ending that conveniently ignores the harsh realities of our broken world, but an ending that says even the worst of the worst, betrayal, abandonment, injustice, injury, pain, humiliation, and even death, even these things, they don't have the final say. 
They are overshadowed by God's gracious generosity to us in Jesus, which he demonstrates by raising him from the dead. So in the midst of struggle and disappointment, we can hold on to the solid hope that our stories do not end here. Put your hope in Jesus. Be welcomed into God's family and and have life in his name. Uh, How about I pray? Dear Father, we thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Thank you that because he lives, uh, we can call you Father and be your children. Please help us to stop relying on the people and things in our lives to be our ultimate source of hope and security. Uh, And help us instead to put our hope in Jesus as our King and the one who gives us life. And we ask it in his name.